Well, hey, we've been in a series of messages where we're looking at our identity, essentially asking the question, who am I? And we began by looking at James chapter 1, and, and James, a little half-brother of Jesus, tells us that the Bible is kind of like a mirror. And just like you might look into the mirror to see what you look like in the morning, you look into the Bible, or it specifically says you, you look into or look intently at or lean into the Scriptures to see what you are, who you are, and and God will reflect that back to you. First, we saw that we are made in the image and the likeness of God, and it's amazing. It's every single one of us. You're you're amazing. You are God's special creation. You're the only creation that God breathed into the breath of life, the only creation that God formed with his own hands, and so you're special. You're amazing in the image and likeness of God, but then we saw that there's a little bit of a fracture, a massive fracture, actually, that that we've all sinned. We've all turned our backs on God and, and sought to live independent of God, but God in his grace seeks to justify us, seeks to make us right, as we, we talked about last week with, with Pastor Kevin. And so uh, we just are, are so thankful that God tells us, here's where you look when it comes to your identity. You look into the Scripture. You look intently into the Scripture. You lean into the Scripture. So you ready to do that again this morning? Can we do that? Let's do that again. And so Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. You can take a Bible, get on over there. If you don't have a Bible at home, we've got Bibles around the room. And we want you to have your own copy of the scriptures. And so grab that and bring it home if you don't have one. And then you can also get there on the church app. We have the Bible on the app as well. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, hey, while you're turning there, uh, my opinion, this is just my opinion. My opinion is that the, the best animated series of all time has got to be Toy Story, right? That, that's just me. I don't know if you're with me or not on that. It's not God's word. That's just Josh's opinion. Uh, but I, I think it's Toy Story. Uh, as I told you earlier, I've been hanging out with teenagers a lot this winter. And uh, one of the things, I've, I, they keep me fresh, you know, those young whippersnappers. And so uh, I was hanging out with them, and, and I, I caught this, uh, this thing. It's like a viral thing going on. It's, it's a hashtag Andy's coming. Does anybody know this? So this is, this is what these youngins do these days. But hashtag Andy's coming. And, and what that means is if you saw Toy Story or any of the Toy Stories, when Andy's coming, all the toys are not supposed to be animated. And so they all fall on the, on the ground as though they're just toys and they're, they're not alive. And, and so if you were to say, Andy's coming, people fall. Well, maybe not you. But if I were to be here tomorrow morning when kids are at school and I were to go out in that hall and scream, Andy's coming, guaranteed kids would fall down on the ground. It's just weird. And... Uh, and, and yet, at the same time, I get it. And one of the things I love most about Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2 is this, this reoccurring uh, picture that we get of the bottom of, of Woody's boot. You know what I'm talking about? The bottom of Woody's boot, on his boot, right on the bottom, is you have the name Andy, the name of his owner, the name of his boy, A, backwards N, D, Y, right on the bottom of his boot, that he belongs to, to Andy. And then there's this one scene in the movie that is, is in, in Toy Story 2 that is my favorite scene. And uh, at the same time, it's a little bit sad because what happens is Woody gets stolen uh, by a, a really bad toy collector who, who collects really rare toys and he steals uh, Woody and he goes and he, he cleans Woody up. And I thought I would describe it to you, but then I figured, I, why don't I just show you the scene? So just look on the screen and just watch this scene with me for just a moment. That's clever. I love that scene. That's, uh, that's my favorite. And uh, you, you see here, uh, Andy uh, has lost his doll. His doll gets stolen. And uh, this guy wants to get the doll all cleaned up and restored to, uh, 
to his original uh, condition, and uh, just, just love that. And we've been thinking about identity throughout the course of uh, this series. We'll do it all the way through Easter because it's so important that we get our identity shored up, that, that we need to know who we are, or, or, or better, whose we are. We've been talking about how the key is, is not to take on the labels that the world gives us, the world writes all over us, but rather to take on the identity of Christ, that we are Christ. And so uh, that our, our name is, is not uh, somebody else's name written on the bottom of our shoe. It's not our girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, that, that relationship on your shoe. It's not your, your job on the bottom of your shoe. It's not that mistake that you feel like defines you on the bottom of your shoe. It's not even your successes that defines you on the bottom of your shoe. It's, it's, it's Jesus, the name of Jesus. And the reality is that for some of us, it's been painted over. It's been covered up. It's been forgotten. Oh, have any of you ever wore one of these name tags? Hello, my name is. You, you've got one of those on your, uh, on your way in. And uh, I, uh, I brought just a big one so that you could see. Hello, my name is name tag. And that, that'll, that'll look pretty large on me. And I, I just did a little bit of a survey recently and just started talking to a bunch of people and said, when you think about your identity, what, what specifically is it that, that you would say you are, or what is it that defines you? And, and this, is a, this is a real survey that I got from some people that, I, that I've asked around, and, and let me just give you some of the things that I've heard. Some people said, what defines me is my career. Other people said, what defines me is my, my alma mater. Go blue, go, I don't know, whatever, my alma mater. Other people said, Hey, here's what defines me. What, what defines me is the fact that I'm broke. <laughs> like, I got no money. Uh, my pet's heads are falling off. Only a few of you got that. But I'm broke, right? Some, some others, on the other hand, would say, what defines me is my money. My, my, I have it. And that I can, uh, I can buy whatever I want. I can look however I want. I can live wherever I want. And, and that's what defines me. Other people say, here's what defines me is abuse. What's been done to me defines me as if in your, your mind you think, well, I deserve that, I suppose. And so you've been abused and so that abuse defines you. Other people, let's just say it's, it is their name. It's maybe their last name, the, the family name. That's what defines them. I've got to live up to the family name. I've got to honor the family name. We are the fill in the blanks. And, and, and maybe that's what defines you. Maybe it's a, a failure and you feel like because of that, that's just... That stigma, that is with you for, for, forever. Maybe I, I, somebody said, I'm a flirt. That's just people know me as a, as a flirt. That's just, that's just who I am. That's how they see me. Uh, others, my, I'm defined by my, my nationality. I am this. From whatever nation you're from. Uh, others said, my, my sexuality. Lefty, sorry, I erase while I write. Uh, other, other people would say, I, I, I'm unlovable. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And I did this survey and just talked to people and surprised. Some of the things were things that, that they were excited to tell me this is what defines me. Other people said, well, almost shamefully, well, this is, this is what defines me. I'm, I'm his girlfriend. I'm, I'm her boyfriend. I even have one person say, they said, I'm invisible. That's what I am. Nobody sees me. Nobody knows me. Nobody ever turns their head at me. Nobody ever thinks about me. And they need to go get a hold of that passage that Kevin gave last week, right? Psalm 139, that God thinks about you. It's amazing. And, and, and so I wonder what it is for you. What is it that defines you in your own mind? 
When you say, I am, this is where you go. This is what you're, you proudfully say, or this is what you in shame put forward, but this is just, this is just who I am. And we could go on and on for, for quite a while on that, but I do want to look into uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And, and I don't know, you might look at that stuff and say, I don't know, Josh, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, but it's an honest survey. It's how people feel and what they identify as, and so... Can we look at Ephesians 2, and, and just for a moment, I just want to hear what God says about us, and this is so incredibly important, and I pray that, that you guys have been joining us on this Ephesians read-through over and over and over and over again uh, through the course of this month and a half or so, and, and so hopefully you've read this already, but let's read it again, and I just want to dig into it a little bit if we can. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says, and you were, this is who we were, Those of us who have trusted in Jesus, placed faith in Jesus, this is who you were, past tense. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let's, let's review that for a moment if we can. It says, you were, past tense, if you trust in Jesus, you were dead. You were dead in, in your sin. You were separated from the one who breathed into you. His image, his, his breath, he gave you life. And by turning from him and, and saying, I want to live independent of you, you're dead. He says, fine, I'll give you what you want. The worst thing that God could do for us is give us what we want. But sometimes he gives us what we want. And you want to be independent of him? He says, fine. You're dead in your sins. Goes on. He says, following the world. That means there are no guidelines in which I live by except whatever's in. Whatever's hip, whatever they do, the standards of the world, the guidelines of the world. I'm just going to follow the world. And if you're doing that, he says, be clear. You're not really following the culture. You're actually following, he says, the prince of the air. That's the devil. That, that he is ultimately your master. You turn your back on God. And when you turn, you're not only turning away from something. You're always turning towards something at the same time, right? And, and when you turn away from God, you're turning to the prince of the air. You're turning to Satan. You're essentially saying, I don't trust in you. And you think you're moving towards independence. But what you've actually turned towards is Slavery to, to Satan. We are all slaves to something or someone. You are a slave either to God who is the perfect master or you are a slave to Satan who his mission is to steal and to kill and to destroy. It goes on. We, we were living in the passions of our flesh, in the desires of our body. In other words, whatever passion pops up, whatever you feel, if it feels good, do it. Living is for, 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 for me, I, I do everything that I do for me, for how I feel. And, and even if I, I love someone and we feel like we're doing it for them, we're actually doing it for ourselves because it makes us feel good, right? And, and so you, you, you live in the passions of the flesh and the desires of the body. It goes on. We were carrying out the desires of our mind. In other words, whatever we think is right, if I think it's right, then, then that's what's right and that's what I'm going to do, and we don't have a standard by which we live. We live by whatever we think. What do we do when everybody thinks different things? It goes on, and, and because of this, we were, past tense, children of wrath. Of what? 
children of, of wrath. God's wrath is on us. And, and rightfully so, because we have sinned against our maker. He, he made us, and, and we turn and say, I don't need you anymore. And therefore, his wrath is on us. Just wrath because of our sin. And, and ultimately, it's because sin kills people, and God hates sin because it kills people. And so his wrath is on us because we are infected with sin. Some of you have a loved one who, who passed away because of cancer, and you hate cancer. That's how God feels about sin. God's wrath is on us. But check this out. This is really great. goes on. Look at verse 4. But what? Verse 4, but God. So there's terrible news. We messed up. It was not good. It was, it was worse than we could ever imagine. We were dead. We failed him. We're dead. And, and, and that's what sin does. But God, read on verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. So we were as good as dead. We turned our backs on God. God could have, should have wiped his hands of us. But God, but God, but God chases us down because he has great love for us. Like a perfect father who has a rebellious child and doesn't say, fine, get out of here. The father goes and pursues the child. God pursues us. He pursues us and he makes us alive from death to life. He makes us alive together with Christ. Give me those last two words. With Christ, right? We are alive because we are with Christ. Christ, right? Read on. He gives us this, this new identity. Verse 6. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So he gives us a new identity. He, he raises us up shows us great kindness in and through Jesus. And so it's his life for your life. It's his death for your death. If you're with Christ and Christ is in you, you are good. Now catch it. Here's how you get that new identity. It goes on. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast can't brag can't say I was here but look at me now you can't brag you can't boast you can't say I did this you can't say I'm awesome I'm holy the only thing that you can say is Jesus is awesome Jesus is holy Jesus is gracious Jesus loves me he pursues me he he he, he hunts me down and he shows his great love towards me and so here's what he does he wipes away in his grace he wipes away all of this junk it's all gone. Every single thing. I mean, you, but what about this? But what about this? What about, I mean, we could go on and on and say, I, I screwed up one too many times. And he says, no, it's all gone. By grace. That, that's a, a gift that God gives you. He, he says it's a gift. Did he say it's a reward? No, he says it's a, it's a gift. A reward is something you earn. A gift is something that's just given to you because the gift giver is so good. He, he wipes it all away. You didn't make a name for yourself. 
The, the name that you made for yourself was all this other stuff that was previously on here. Sinful. And even your successes are tainted with, with sin and with pride and, and selfish ambition. And Scripture says vain conceit. He says it's all gone if you trust in me. You get a fresh start, clean start if you trust in me. And, and the only way that you can get to heaven is not your identity. The only way that you get to heaven is, is by his identity, his name on the bottom of your foot, his name, the, the, the name of Jesus. In fact, what is your new identity? Check it out. Look at verse 10. In light of all this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I love those first four words of verse 10 there. For we are his. I want those just to sit with us today. If you could leave with, with nothing else but just one thing today, I want you to leave with, for we are, are his. Is your identity wrapped up in the fact that I'm his? It doesn't matter if I'm hers or if I'm his over there or if I'm in that team or that school or that career or that family or, or live in that neighborhood or that zip. It doesn't matter. I'm his. And to me, that's, that's all that matters to me is, is that I'm his. My wife got this really sweet gig uh, last summer, and it's going to continue on this summer, and it was pretty cool. She got asked to lead a Bible study for the, the wives of the Boston Red Sox players, and, and she did that all season long, and so every Wednesday night, every Wednesday home game, uh, she would go to Fenway, and, and she would uh, just open the scriptures with them, and, and brought them through the whole narrative of the, of the scriptures together, and, and I got to be honest, I was slightly jealous, like... I'm the Bible teacher, babe. Like, this isn't cool, right? I mean, I was, no, I was actually really, really proud of her, but I was a little bit jealous. And, and, and then one day, uh, towards the end of the season last year, uh, Clay Buckholz's wife, and he got traded, but Clay Buckholz's wife uh, said, to, said to my wife, she said, hey, bring the family next, next week. And so, she, okay, cool. And so she brings the, the family along, and here we are, uh, me and my boys and my daughter, uh, and we're following Mama to Fenway, you know? And so we, we, we roll up in the minivan, and the way it works is, is the player's have that little area that they get to park in, and so you've got Porsche, and you've got Tahoes, and minivan, you know, and uh, we, were, we were riding in style, right, and so we get there, and uh, we were just in awe, I mean, it was so cool, we pull up, and we walk through where the players walk through, and we do this sometimes after games, is we'll stay an extra hour later, and just kind of stand out, and watch the players come out, this time we're walking in to where the players would come out, and we thought, we are, this is pretty cool, and my boys especially were going nuts over this, and, and uh, I was trying to contain it, and uh, we, we go through the area, and then, you know, there's D'Angelo, big poppy's son, throwing a tennis ball up against the garage wall, and we walk in, and there's Mookie Betts's wife, and this is so crazy, and, and, and we're just wide-eyed on this whole thing. It's just so cool, so cool, and, 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 and just kind of following Becky around, and every now and again, I kind of got this feeling like, should I, should I be here? Like, I almost felt wrong, like, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing something wrong here. Should I, should I be here? And, 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 and then there was a couple of moments where I would even be so excited, I'd get ahead of her. And I didn't really know where I was going, except I was just following these green tunnels. And, and I would get ahead of her, and, and then a security guard would give me a look like, who are you? Because she started to know them on a first-name basis and say, hey, Becky, come on in. No badge or anything, just come on in. And I got ahead of her one time, and the security guard gives me a look, and I'm like, oh, I'm with her. I'm, 
That's my girl right there. You know, I was so proud. And, and I love this because as I think about it, here's what Jesus does, right? Here, here's, what, here's what Jesus does. He, he wipes away all the other junk. Like, it's all gone. It's all gone. And he clears you of all that other stuff. And, 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 and here's what our new reality is. Our new reality is, I'm his. So you ever get to that place in life where, where you, you just feel shameful? You did something wrong. You messed up. And, and you drifted from God. And, and, and you just kind of feel like, am I supposed to be in church right now? Like, I'm not one of these people, am I? You read your Bible. You go to God and pray. And you feel like, God, do you really listen to me? Because, man, I'm so jacked up. And here's what you get to remember. When you look around and you're in awe of the grace of God, you get to remember, I'm his. Like, I'm with him. It does not matter how you feel even. What matters is the truth that, that, that I'm with him. J- just Christ in me is my hope of glory, is what the, the, the scripture says. You have a new identity. I am his. And so it says that you, you were, you were, you were. You, do you hear that language in there? You were, you were, you were. And then verse 10, for you are. His. I'm, I'm his. I'm with Jesus. I'm good to go. And wherever he goes, I goes. As it says, if he's raised up, I'm raised up. If, if he's righteous, I'm righteous. If he has full access to heaven, I have full access to heaven. If he's a conqueror, I'm a conqueror. If he defeats death, guess who else doesn't die? We die, but we live then f- forever. If he's helping hurting people, guess who else helps hurting people? Guess who else has that power to help hurting people? I do. You do. Because his, his, his identity is now your identity. You hear all this language. In Christ. In Christ. With Christ. With Christ. I'm with him. Don't ever doubt that. Don't ever doubt that. You get it? You get a new identity. Now, now listen very carefully. If you get a new identity... And that is, I'm a follower of Jesus. We are Christians. That means little Christs. We, we follow him. That means this, that every aspect of who you are comes directly from whose you are. Every aspect of who you are today, present reality, is not based on who you were, 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 but who you are today. And today you are his. Specifically, you are his what? You are his workmanship. That means you are his masterpiece. That means you are his prized creation. You were, you were made in the image and likeness of God and it was beautiful. And, and, and even that compared to sin and then the, the new you after sin by trusting in Jesus, even that is not as beautiful as who you are today. Do you understand that? That's why at the beginning of, of Ephesians, in chapter 1, it talks about God, His grace was planned out before the foundations of the world. You know what that means? That even before the foundations of the world, God knew that you were going to sin. And God knew that His grace was going to be on display. And so you, pre-sin, image of God, amazing, but you post-sin, redeemed, grace all up in your veins, that's even better. So no shame, and yeah, I've sinned, I've struggled, I make mistakes. Conviction, yes, that means we're not going to live in it any longer. But no shame in that. 
because you now have the grace of God. You have this new identity. He's raised up. I'm raised up. He's righteous. I'm righteous. He's a conqueror. I'm a conqueror. Do you get this? This is your new identity. And with this identity, you get full access to the things that Jesus gets full access to. Do you hear me? You get full access. You get all the privileges of being a child of God. You are royalty. Told you before, my, my daughter one day goes, Dad, I'm a princess. I said, yeah, your daddy's a little princess. She goes, no, Dad, I'm a princess. And she straightened out my theology. says, God is king, and I am his daughter. I'm a princess. I'm like, hello, you're right, okay. I submit. I'm a princess. I'm royalty. I'm a child of the king. Do you see how that identity, I am his, changes how you feel? And if it changes how you feel, it should change how you live. That's why back to James chapter 1, you don't look in a mirror and learn about who you are and then walk away and forget who you are. He almost is saying that being funny, like, no, that doesn't happen. If you see something on your face, a blemish, you're consumed with it almost all day, aren't you? You get a bad haircut and you're humiliated by it. You, you can't think, of, you just think about it all the time. Or you do something about it, and we trust in Jesus when we look into the mirror and we see our sin. And then you see this new reflection of the beautiful you because of the grace of God. And you walk away and you live out that identity that I am His. And it changes everything. I've got full access because I'm with Him. A few years ago, we had a couple in the church who was they were fostering a child and they so wanted this kid to be theirs. I mean, they just went through all kinds of stuff. They really wanted this kid to, to be theirs and, and had a crummy situation, this, this little guy, uh, his birth family and drugs were involved and all kinds of stuff. And, and it was just really rough. And, and so they were, they were fostering this child and trying to figure out how they could adopt this child. And then the child got snatched away for a little while and brought back to to, to birth parents and then the family and then they said oh no I don't know that I want that and and it went back again and and I just I don't know it reminds me of Moses almost like Moses having this who am I am I I'm of Israel I was raised over here in Egypt and then I was brought back over to here and now I'm back in the palace I'm just back and forth and you see how that could mess up your identity just really rough and really confusing and it was it was difficult for, for the parents and, and then the day came when they could finally adopt, the, 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 the parents and the grandparents and everybody relinquished their, their rights and they could finally adopt this little guy. And a bunch of people from the church went to the courthouse because they're like, just like we visit uh, a new baby in the, in the hospital, we're, we're going to go to the, the, the courthouse. And they went to the courthouse with them. It was pretty cool. And, uh, and they, they went and they just, balloons and everything, it was a huge celebration. And they finally adopt this little guy. And two massive realities I want us to latch onto that came at this adoption ceremony at the courthouse. One, for the parents who went to great lengths and great heartache to adopt this little child. The child, at this point, when those papers are signed, is now irrevocably theirs. And the other reality for the little child who had been bounced back and forth from home to home to home. That child now had all the rights and privileges of a birth child. And I want us to latch on to that. 
that you are irrevocably God's. John chapter 10, Jesus says it this way, no one can snatch you out of my hands. And then he goes on. When the Bible gives emphasis, it will repeat itself to give emphasis. He says, my father's greater than all and no one can snatch you out of my father's hands. Like you cannot, but, but what if I'm really, really bad? What if I've been away from church for a long time? What if I've really, man, I mean, my sins are so unforgivable. No, no, you are irrevocably his if you trust in what Jesus has done for you. And you get all the legal rights and privileges of a birth child. You are a child of God. His identity is on you. Do you see the freedom that comes in this kind of relationship with God? Do you see the freedom that comes in having that identity and knowing that and walking in light of that every single day? It's not something that we check in on every now and again. Oh, yeah, 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 God loves me. But it's something we live in light of every single day. It gives us confidence. It gives us boldness. It gives us security. It gives us freedom to not need the approval of people all the time. It changes everything. And every single one of us are invited into this relationship. Should God be tugging on your heart and you respond, it's yours. Can we go back to Toy Story 2? I just need another chance to talk about Toy Story for just a moment. So Woody gets stolen by this bad toy collector guy. He brings him to the old fella here who who cleans him up and makes him look beautiful. And man, don't you wish they had that little spray thing for the back of your head sometimes? And and so they do that and and gets them all looking fresh and sewn up and and cleaned up. And and, uh, then that, that last little part of that scene, I don't know, I just find it really interesting is, the last little part, the culmination, is he takes his foot and he just paints over the name Andy. Can I ask you a question? Did he erase the name Andy? No. Andy is still there. It's still written there. I mean, it's still, it's still underneath. And I wonder for, for us, how many of us, we're, we're kind of in that situation where we just got things that we're just, we just got kind of slapping on top, just, just kind of covering up. The real identity, the heart stuff, just put on top, covering it up. Maybe it is your career. Yeah, I, I trusted in Jesus. I know he changed me. I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but then I just got drifted away, and this is my identity. I live in light of this now. I became a mom. I can't think about anything else but my kid, and, and I just pushed Jesus to the side. And, and, and what are you going to do in 18 years? If your identity is wrapped up in parenting, you're, you're in big trouble. And your kid is actually in big trouble. If you need them to, 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 to help you know who you are, then they're in big trouble. And we just keep putting things on top, on top, on top. Painting brown paint over top of, of the name. But there's this really cool moment, isn't there? In the apartment of, of Al is the name of the guy where Woody wrestles with, okay, what do I do now? And he, he gets down and he, he looks at the bottom of his shoe painted brown and he just... He rubs it off and Andy emerges again. He remembered, oh yeah. And and I'm hoping that many of us right now are at this place right now. We're remembering, oh yeah, I'm Jesus's. We would think that that would be obvious, but I know it's not because I'm there too. I struggle with finding my identity and even things that seem godly like a pastor 
long before I was a pastor, I was a follower of Jesus. And if my identity, just like a parent, is wrapped up in being your pastor, then man, it's not good for you. And it's definitely messed up for my soul. We have a low attended Sunday and, and you don't show up to church. I'm thinking, oh man, do they hate me? Is it me? What did I do? Is my sermon last week really bad? You see, this stupid these games we play but if we know and we're reminded i am his it changes everything so i'm just praying that today we're we're peeling back the other stuff that we put on top and today we're just reminded of i'm his just real simple message from a powerful passage of scripture just to be reminded i'm his workmanship And he looks at you and he says, you're my masterpiece. I'm delighted in you. My grace is on you and and you don't need to live in shame anymore. You get to live in the security of you know that you are mine and it changes everything. And so listen, I don't know where you're at this morning. But every single time we open up the scripture, we need to to respond to the scripture. And so I just want to call all of us in this moment just to take some time to think on what's been shared and and, and how do we walk away from the mirror and walk away changed? Maybe, maybe today you are rediscovering your identity. Like you are a Christian. You have been saved by grace through faith that is trusting in him. Not accomplishing stuff, but trusting in him. Faith in him. And you've been saved. You've been made a believer. But there's been this stuff that's just kind of been piled up on top of it that that's kind of covered it up, that you've found your identity in other than Jesus. And I just, I'm just praying that God will peel that stuff back and, and today, just in this time, that we would just confess to him and just say, God, I, I've been finding my identity in things other than you and, and I'm just coming back to you. And you start looking really deep and inward and you see, wow, he has changed me. That reality still stands. Jeremiah the prophet said it this way, that he writes his, his law on our hearts. And, and the law of liberty, James says, the mirror, right? That, so he essentially writes his name on our hearts. And so maybe today you're, you're seeing that and being reminded of that again. And you just want to today just confess to God. God, help me to live in light of my identity in you. Others of you in here, you've never placed faith in Jesus. You've been coming to church. You, you, maybe you grew up in church. Listen, you don't carpool to heaven. Just because mom and dad went doesn't mean you get in. It's, it's the decision you make to trust in Jesus yourself, placing faith in Jesus yourself. As God tugs on your heart, not mom and dad's heart, grandparents' heart. Maybe today you're, you're at a place right now where you're saying, I need, to, I need to find my identity in Jesus for the very first time. Not I need to start going to church. I need to trust Jesus. And live out of that. And so wherever you're at this morning, I just want to encourage you to, to talk to God. Do some business with God as we sing and as we respond. And, and so would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for just a moment? We do this to, to get distractions out of the way so that we can just kind of think for a moment on where we're at. What the scriptures are telling us. And as you think about what we've looked at. How would you answer the question, the survey that that I submitted? Here's my identity. Here's who I am. Would you be able to honestly say, I would definitely have answered Jesus? 
Or maybe you would have said Jesus because you know the right words to say, but the reality, the outworking in your life is a little bit different. Assess your own heart. If you've never given your life to Jesus, the Bible makes it really clear. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you simply say yes to Jesus, you're saved. You're made right. Because you're saying, I recognize that I can't do this on my own. I recognize that everything else that I try to find my identity in will fail me except for you alone. That I recognize that I've been sinful and I have the wrath of God on me, but Jesus has come to earth. God is a man, lived perfectly the life that I could not live, died the death that he didn't deserve, I deserve, in my place as my substitution. So that if I trust, if I place faith in that, my sins are wiped away. The slate is wiped clean. I'm brought into his family and I'm with him. Where he goes, I go. And so he was resurrected back to life. I get life and life eternally. That's the truth. And so I invite you to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved in this moment. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I invite you to that. The most important decision a person could ever make. But wherever you're at, wherever you're at, you talk to God as we pray now and as we continue on in response and singing. Father, do your work in our hearts. Thank you for your message, the simple truth that we are yours. And where you go, we get to go. We get full access because we are brought into your family. We're given a new identity and the outworking of that changes everything. Changes everything from what we think about to what we invest our money in to what we invest our time in to what we do as a family to, to even to where we decide to live and lay down roots. Everything is it's wrapped up in, in you and, and who you are and how we can live with you and, and live on your mission. And so God, help us to be this kind of people. Change us, God, from the inside out. love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.